are quite good. Attack warning, Fred. Attack warning. Is it for real? Attack warning for bloody real. Live from Colorado Springs, the Drop Culture Podcast. Want to confirm? Is this an exercise? Roger, copy. This is not an exercise. Come on, quick, get down. One, two, three. Welcome, everybody, to the Dropped Culture Podcast. This is that podcast where we pick up that piece of pop culture you forgot about or missed, shine it up real nice, and cram it in your ear holes. I'm Dan. I'm Brock. And every week we bring you some piece of pop culture. What are we bringing them this week, Brock? One of the biggest drop culture movies that we've done so far, as far as like awards and stuff goes, maybe? Mm, maybe. The Boys of Brazil. Yes. Starring Gregory Peck. Lawrence Olivier. Who else? Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> <laughs> James Mason. James Mason, yes. Um, also, Sorry, uh, you get you get a good 20 minutes of goots. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uta Hagen and Mira. Yeah. Uh, ben Stiller's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, Denholm Elliott. Indiana Jones's oh, yeah. uh, friend, yeah. Marcus, <laughs> Marcus, mm-hmm. um, Michael, Michael Go, um, which you know him as Alfred the Butler in all of the old Batman eighty nine. That's right, um, Michael Keaton movies. All the, actually, he wasn't he even into the. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He Val made Kilmer. it in. Yeah, he made it into all of them. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't remember much of Batman on Ice, so he could have been in that too. I don't remember. I think so because yeah. I've watched that movie twice and <laughs> struck it from my mind. <laughs> Rosemary Harris. Yeah. Aunt May from the mm-hmm. Spider Man, uh, Sam Raimi Spider Man movies. That's right. Um, which she's a little bit randy. Randy. In this one. <laughs> <laughs> And pull my skirt up just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Like what you're seeing. Lily Palmer. There's so many big people in this. I mean, it, it, okay, so let's just start with the story. What is the story about? So this story is the story of a Nazi hunter uncovering a plot that's been years in the making like a lot yeah and it's about the clones the clones of, of adolf hitler mhm science fiction book yeah. by ira levin came out in 76 and they optioned it for a movie pretty quickly i mean that's pretty fast 76 to 79 yeah. just as fast as they did like exorcist or 70 and- was it 79 or 78 uh, came out in seventy eight. Yeah, so two years. Yeah, which they probably means he was pitching it and yeah, which yeah. Uh, just a great idea because yeah. you have major characters in this. One is an amalgam. The other one is a real life person, um, Joseph Mengele. Well, and uh, you know some of the stuff I read was that um, 
the uh, our our vampire our vampire hunter our <laughs> Nazi hunter that's a whole different show yeah um <laughs> it was actually based on um uh, his another, name is what was the guy's name Simon Weisenthal Weisenthal thank you the dude was like he was literally like the um it, he was a huge humanitarian after the war um during the war he survived oh my god um several death camps somehow he made it through 89 members of his family and his wife's family put together all died during the holocaust right which is like nuts that's insane and he um basically he um after the war he dedicated himself well it was after it was after a time after that too after nuremberg and all of that stuff like that he devoted himself into collecting the stories of the holocaust which nobody had started to do right, right. so we're talking documentation of whenever they arrived at buchenwald or they were you know systematically run out of their neighborhood he held on to that information so his information and contribution to um basically exposing the holocaust for what it was instead of everybody being like it doesn't exist this is um pretty prescient right now too because they've released a bunch of uh fbi not fbi maybe cia i don't know some some government stuff showing that we had how much money we spent looking for nazis in like south america north africa all these places. Yeah. Our, well, so that's been fairly recent that they've, you know, exposed some of that stuff. Yeah. Well, Argentina and Paraguay and Brazil and all those mm-hmm. places like that hated Americans at that point. Right. So they were already sympathizers for the Nazis. So the guys that got out, like Mangala, right? Mangala, his whole story is like after Angel he. Death. Yeah. He got out of the war, but yet he was captured, I don't know how many times with different names, but he still made it back over the, he made it to South America and then went back a couple of times to see his kid. Yeah. So this dude is like, he's the fucking angel of death when it comes to this shit. He was, he was the one that performed all kinds of, uh, unnecessary un- surgery. Yeah. Just, just basically testing stuff on people, like injecting them with blue dye to get blue eyes. Um, it just weird yeah stuff a lot of stuff with twins it was a lot was of a eugenic stuff yeah. before we get to him because I, I i do have a lot of information about him and i think it's sure. pertinent to the way that the story goes in this and to know the characters well this dude right um the simon weisenthal, weisenthal. yeah he basically caught uh 1100 nazi war criminals in yeah. his time or at least helped find, helped them. find them yeah. yeah he didn't like go he wasn't like in for, he wasn't like bringing the A-team in and doing it himself. No, 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 but no. He yeah. was just like the information broker. Right. And he lived for a very, very long time. I, he lived until the 2000s, like 2003 or some shit. Yeah. Um, but he caught one of the most um, prolific Nazis, uh, Adolf Eichmann. Yes. Right? He was the administrator of the Final Solution. So he was like, all right, right let's go. And then Franz Muir, he we was- catch a, him in- it was the Israelis that caught him, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. And then Franz Muir, he was a butcher of Wilno, I think. And then Eric Rexowicz in charge of the death, um, like death trains from Holland. Oh, yeah. Um, so basically he was the one that was like, and we all know the Holocaust was like complete and utter just destruction of shit, you right. know, of uh, an entire race of people. Trying. 
Right, right. He uh, he worked for several divisions of the U.S. Army too. He worked for the War Crime Section um, of the Army, the Army Office of Strategic Services and Counterintelligence. Plus, he worked on his own. So, I mean, he, from what I read, he really didn't like the character that they had created. And there's reasons why. Sure. But uh, at the same time, this was them mixing. You know what I mean? Yeah. They kind of mixed, uh, mixed all that up to give this one character a little bit more gravitas. Right. Now, Joseph Mangala, the other side of that coin. So you got the heads with Simon Weisenthal. Um, Ezra Lieberman in the movie, as he's known, Lawrence Olivier, three names all in a row, and they're all the same person. Right. Uh, <laughs> and Joseph Mangala is the dark side. He's the tails of that coin. He was the um, the butcher, basically. He was the angel of death, and he's he basically would go into a lot of... He came into Nazi Nazism later on. Right. right. So he knew he wanted to do something. He came from a rich family, like they owned like a uh the the Prussians. We're talking all the way back into Perugia. Yes. His family Perugia. made money. <laughs> yeah. He made money. His parents and his family were sure. affluent and rich. Yeah. When Nazism came around, he was he was one of the last big characters in that that in that world to come on board it really seems like he came on board because it afforded him the opportunity to do what he wanted to do he studied that shit in school his thesis paper was about eugenics 100 percent, and he was recommended to all these places by his mentor which was his professor so he had a phd and an md right so the dude was like super smart, but we know that he didn't really do good in regular school and primary schools and things like that. But when he got to college, he started excelling. But then he got out and then kept learning. So the eugenics part of it was something that it didn't really take off in the scientific community around there. So he's always kind of like a lackey. He was always kind of like the dude that was in the background, right? Well, whenever... I think it was like 19, it was in the forties whenever he kind of came on board from what I remember. Right. And, um, they saw his paper, you know, the, the head Aryans and were like, Oh, maybe this dude's got something to say. So they moved him into residency at Auschwitz. Right. And that's where he did the twin stuff, the heterochromia where it's different colored eyes. Yeah. That was one of his main focuses, besides the children that were twins. Right, and he loved he loved uh-huh. he like went after dwarfism and a couple of other things, right? Because his theory was, and this is really fucked up, that you could tell the race of a person by their jawline. That was one of his main things whenever right. he was researching that stuff. So there's there's countless documents of him, you know. Basically, like ripping out organs and sending people back to work, cutting off feet, you know, um, giving, you know, one twin typhus and seeing if the other one would get hurt, you know, um, fucking with them that way. He was always good to them on the surface, but what made him a true sadist was he basically, he could be like, hello, chocolate. You know what I mean? Right. Like Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Be like, ooh, come here. <laughs> oh, how was your day? Yeah. You know, he'd be really nice to him. The next minute, he would be fucking injecting him with 
with something to kill him. Right. Chloroform sort of straight dive. to the heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was fucking him up. And there's also, like, the woman that played the prison guard in this that was the in former jail. Former prison guard, yeah. Former prison guard, based on a true story as well, that they were kind of involved. But this, this woman was... The people... The, most of the people that were in charge of the Nazi party, if you look at, were all fucking, like, not... They wouldn't fit into a normal societal role, but they had, and, and I'm talking like shopkeeper or something like that. Sure. They were just a little bit off and they didn't have a place. So when, so when the Nazis. That's how you start a movement. Right. And that was Hitler. That was Hitler. It, and it made sense. This is for you. Yes. For the people. <laughs> and it fucking, and it worked. And to, and to think that there's, they were writing stories back then about this. They still are, you know, Nazi Island, you know, the shockwaves. There's all these things that like Nazis are on the fucking moon and shit too, you yeah, know? Yeah, in, in Antarctica, in a, in a hollow earth. Right? <laughs> I, I mean, come on. There's just so much. And what I like about like this movie is they did base some of the stuff on fact and then they have the the fictional aspect of it, but the fictional aspect of it makes sense that they would do that. So this this is the kind of story I like because it is very much grounded in real life, right? Um, and it uses historical characters, right? But in a way that's totally believable. Mm -hmm. right? Yes, it's almost like revisionist history fiction. Yeah, like a Tarantino, but um, yeah, sure. a little bit more in depth. Yeah, you know, because um, you know these characters; these characters are already fleshed out. So exactly, when you step into this movie, you already know they're like uh, you're oh, thinking it's like Nazis. Once Upon a Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, just kind of changing things up a little bit yeah, to yeah. fit the narrative, right? Um, and but more than history, this is like at the time present. Right. Yeah, because mm -hmm. so. this one came out in '76. The book did. They made the movie in '78. So, so this is all like yeah. happening now. So it was still enough time that this this guy could have been. And even though he lived a long, long time, he would have been a lot more active in like '78. Yeah, and Joseph Mengele was alive at that he, point right, too. Right. They basically predicted his death because he died four months after the movie came out. Oh, really? <laughs> so in a weird fucking way, they were already like there which i thought was kind of crazy yeah. but basically the whole premise of the movie is 94 middle-aged men um at the well, ages let's, of let's get there okay let's get there we can get that we'll, we'll talk a little bit about just progression because that's one thing i thought this movie did very well was you didn't really know what this movie was about yeah not at first about the first after about the first hour yeah you know no it really it was really about two hours and seven minutes long i think 196 minutes? Or, okay. I think that's what my copy said, something like that. Anyway. 196? Yeah. No way. Yeah, I, I I think it did. That's like three and a half hours or something. No, hours, no, no. minutes, 196 minutes? <laughs> yeah, it says on one hour, I don't know. Anyway, go for it. Wow. <laughs> um, real quick, I do want to talk about the director of this, because we talked about like the cast, and there, obviously Lawrence Olivier, I don't know that we need to get deep into who that is. <laughs> maybe, maybe who we is will. It? Yeah. He was only in Clash of the Titans. <laughs> was that it? Um, so Franklin Schaffner... Um, who directed this? He won. He had um, won, previously won the Academy Award for Patton, mm -hmm. right? Um, he also did Planet of the Apes. Yeah, which is which is huge. I know for some people, <laughs> uh, Papillion. Um, so yeah, he's he's a good good director, and you can tell in this movie for the most part, 
Like the shots are really good. Yeah. Cinematography's done right. It's done kind of almost more in a uh, television movie style mm-hmm. in a way, you know? So he fought in World War II, actually. 125 minutes. Yeah, that makes way more yeah. sense. I don't know why so mine that's, said 196. That's two hours and five minutes. I was yeah. Off by yeah. Point. So, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, no, but he, he actually... Um, he started in, um, his, his career was a little broken up because he ended up serving World War II. Uh-huh. Once in Europe um, with the Navy as an amphibious something or other. And then he went to the other side of the war in the Far East um, in the Pacific Theater um, as part of the Strategic Service. Oh, wow. Office of Strategic Service. Because he was born in Japan. Oh, um, I think he only lived there till he was like five or six or something. Um, but it's it's interesting that like his movies, like when you think of Patton, that's a like I think you would have to have somebody that was in the military direct that movie at that time too. Yeah, right. At that right. time, yeah, because he was he was born in 1920. So if he was, you know, fighting, he was in his 20s. You know, so yeah, yeah. very, very, very like. Um, he absorbed a lot of stuff from that time. He was the original director on the TV series, The Defenders. Really? Yeah. Hmm. God, he's done so much shit. The dude yeah. did so much stuff. A whole lot of stuff. Anyway, so I thought we should shout him out a little bit. Um, that's really that's really that. But let's talk about where this movie starts with the hero of the movie. Because realistically, none of this movie could have happened without one man. And that's the Goots. That's the Goot. Old Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> Old Steve Gutenberg. Early Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. This is like his third appearance. Well, like I... Other what? than a TV movie and like some other garbage. <laughs> <laughs> to say an actor hasn't come out fully formed like Steve Gutenberg is a besmirchment on his name. Because <laughs> his first movie was Golden. His yeah. second movie, Golden. The dude is fully formed until he got two, three men and a baby, and we can kind of stop there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I think you, I mean, you have to have some stuff in the middle there, though, like Police Academy. Well, of course. Cocoon. But that's what I'm saying. He got two, oh, three men and a baby, oh, and, and then it was, was like, over. Yeah, I see, I see. Anything with a uh, uh, Magnum P.I. in it. Cocoon? <laughs> Cocoon? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, my favorite movie was Steve Gutenberg Short Circuit. Oh yeah, see yeah. another one. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, the, it, man. the dude is like he's a shit. Anyways, <laughs> very young Steve Gutenberg, and uh, man, this movie gets right into it. He, there's no there's no setup. No, no, you you just know that they're official he's, vehicles he's driving people that are moving around in official vehicles. Yeah, so and he's got his cool van. <laughs> they're Nazi sympathized. In that country. Right. He knows this. Everybody else knows this. He's a young Jewish man from America. Right. And his name is what? um, Young Jewish guy from America. Yeah, Yeah, something Kohler. Kohler. (laughs) It's Kohler. Um, Um, I don't know what his full name is, but. Well, yeah. I mean, it starts off with him basically looking for this plot. Right. And he kind of gets entwined in it. And he. uh, The best part is the, like, he gives the kid the. The radio. The bug. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the kids playing on his radio, 
Whoops. And that's how he gets busted. But the whole time, like, he's hiding in the trees listening to what these, these people are saying because he, he's chasing them down. He's, you know, he knows they're Nazis. Well, he's already contacted um, Ezra. Yeah, which he calls is him. He Lawrence calls Olivier. Him. He calls him from there, and he's yeah. basically like, hey. And that's where we first get Lawrence Olivier's character. Yeah, he's kind of um, coming in, and we get to see all everything we talked about, his yeah, whole archives yeah. of everything and the landlord. And the drippy ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> the landlord, like, bitching at him because yeah. he's putting too much weight on the floor. Uh-huh. What is your fucking house made of? Balsa wood? <laughs> Fuck that, you know? Um, so we kind of get that, and we kind of get a sternness from him. You know, you could tell that you know, he's just, I don't it's know, almost, an old man. Sort of, but it's almost an aloofness at first. Like, he's not even going to deal with any of it until he has to. And right. then, he, then he's kind of stern about it, you yeah. know what I mean? It, it takes a turn a couple of times when right. things add up. Well, of course, Joseph Mangala shows up right. in Brazil for a meeting that uh, Gutenberg's been watching all these people. Right. He's like, oh, oh shit, fucking guess who's here? And then that's when we see James Mason for the first time. He's uh, Edward Seibert, yep. Seilbert or something like that. And basically he's kind of like the, I don't know, he's like the second in charge of the whole organization yeah, he's the where cur- they're at. Colonel. Yeah, he's yeah. the colonel in their in that little part of that organization, which of course they've been working. So the Nazis have been working on this plot for 20 plus years. Right. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. So, and it was something that they already come up with. So with all that backstory that we were already talking about Mangala and eugenics and everything like that. Okay. So if you don't know that part of it, it kind of doesn't make sense. But if you know some of that, that's why I wanted to say some at the beginning to kind of give you that, um, that foundation for, where it's going and he's a fucking evil looking dude like he's way everybody wears black but he wears white yep which in a weird way is a huge contrast on a couple of scenes and then also his eyes they're so black yeah whenever he stares at some people you're like oh my god and now gregory peck is playing yosef mengala i i don't even know how you say it but the dude, they portray him, and the way that he bring what he brings to that real life character is that complete. It's not sadism in a way, but it's more like because he's so passionate about what he's doing at this point. Right. It's like everything that he did during the war is kind of leading up to this. So basically, it's like a bunch of high ranking Nazis are all meeting in this sympathizer's house right. in Brazil, and that's where the goot. <laughs> actually plants a bug in a pretty good spot he has to have gotten in there you know what i mean right um the kid couldn't put it in that i thought the kid did it i I think uh he helped him because he gives him a box with the radio right he gave him that right he's very enthusiastic because he figures out how to make like a portable radio station pretty much he's broadcasting it out on fm 32 (laughs) um which is funny because the whole time that they have the radio on it's playing the same fucking song over and over <laughs> so of course you Director got ta- was really sold on that piece yeah so so you get this little kid that he's working with right so goot's out there there's traffic going behind him and shit like that like he's not really hiding he's white in paraguay so i mean he's not really gonna blend in you know <laughs> so mangala basically addresses the whole 
Yeah, he has um, a big meeting. With all of these other people that are going to be part of this plot. And what well, they're probably already part of this plot. Oh, yeah, they, they have yeah. been. They were just waiting for the time to get activated. Right. But there's some illusions that there's way more of those people out right. there. Uh, yeah, these were just These guys were just picked for this specific thing. Correct. Because of what they did. And we're talking like old school SS dudes, um, uh, Death's Heads dudes, everything. Because they show their pictures one at a time kind of at one point. And literally, he he figures this stuff out and he plants it while they're having their... This is the beginning of the end, Yes, pretty much. This is... Everything's coming to fruition. So basically what it is is... is well, at this point, we find out they're going to kill 94 people. 94 men that are that, 65 years old. Right. And are civil servants. Civil servants. Across the world. Yes. So there's 16 in West Germany, 14 in Sweden, 13 in England, 12 in the U.S., 10 in Norway, uh, 9 in Australia, 8 in Holland, 6 in Denmark, and 6 in Canada. Yes. So... They're fucking everywhere, They're right? Spread out. So we don't even really know what this is about because yeah. fathers are um, 60, 65 years old, civil servants, right? Just right. normal people. Because immediately the first person, they're like, well, why kill all these people? Are they Jewish? And that happens to both sides, right. the good and the bad. They mention that. They're like, oh, what? Is it a Jew? And they're like, no. Mengele's like, nah, not at all. And then one dude actually just asks a question, simple question. He's like, so by killing this man yeah. at 65 years old is going to fulfill my destiny and the future of the Aryan race? And he's like, do you want a different assignment, bitch? Yeah. Like he fucking goes after him yeah. and he's well, just like, a, no. You set, that sets a tone right away for his character that like, he doesn't take any shit from anybody. <laughs> yes. He's got, he's sing, singularly minded. 100%. On one, yes. One mission, right? That's where that, that he's just like, we're going to get this shit done. I don't care what it takes, but you get to see a little bit more of that. But what I like sure. in, in <laughs> that scene, whenever he's like, he's, staring the other dude down he looks he doesn't look like gregory peck he looks no. like something else yeah. he looks like a fucking devil or some shit but the dude sitting behind the guy that asked the question his eyes get really <laughs> fucking big and he's like what the fuck <laughs> did you just say <laughs> like oh my god and that's one thing about this movie that i liked is the background characters were actually acting acting yes they weren't it, i mean and that's the only way i could put it it was like they were really fucking acting they weren't just standing yeah, yeah yeah they were they were bringing more color to the whole scene which i thought was the first watching you're not going to notice a lot of that stuff the second watching you're going to see some but if you get into it um and watch it you know five or six times or something like that you're going to notice all those little details like that like especially you know he's going through this list right but then, like you said, that little kid runs outside to listen to the fucking red radio. I know. And then you see the guard go by. The guard just goes by. No big deal. He and all hits of a sudden, the, yeah, he hits the antenna and it yeah. tunes it out. And it's like, now we're going to kill 94 men. <laughs> You're like, and the dude's like, what, what the? the? Yeah, right? <laughs> it was surprising to me because he didn't grab the kid and take him with him. No, he just grabbed the radio. He's like, it's a radio. Well, he heard what they were saying right. on the inside. That was it, he was like ready to go. Right. He's like, this could be a contingency. Yeah. So you got to think for twenty plus years they've been plotting this shit. They've been putting it together, putting the money into it, 
and that one little thing. Steve Gutenberg. And and you know, at, at first, it, they walk in and they're like, pss, 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 pss. he's like, find it. <laughs> I mean, and they tear apart they that, that fucking place dude's house, like <laughs> cutting stuff open and cutting the couches yeah. underneath the couches, and that one dude pulls it out and like, Pa-cow. I got it. <laughs> And Gutenberg's like, holy shit, I gotta go. <laughs> so he runs. This is where the only part where the music didn't really match because it was all really serious yeah, while yeah. he's driving. He's like, woo! Yeah, because he's recording this on yeah, tape. Yeah. So he's like, all right, I, I gotta talk to you. He's got what he needs now so he can convince uh, Ezra. Ezra into, uh, you know, you gotta help him me. seriously. Yeah, you gotta help me. And so, because <laughs> he's very dismissive the first time he calls him. Yes, he's like, "Yeah, we know he's there. Yeah. We know this. Yeah, we you know? know all this. My my everything knows this." Right. And then whenever he gets back to his hotel, that's when they kind of cut back to Gregory Peck in character doing this, where he's waving the little fucking device in their in their he's face. He's got like all the staff around. Yes, um, including that little boy. Yeah, and it's the arrogance that somebody that had all that privilege of their life would just be putting dangling something in front of somebody to get a reaction. Right. It's fucked up. And that's a really fucked up thing because honestly, if I'm standing in a line and they're like, oh, did you see this? I'm like, what the fuck is that? Right. Even if I did it, you know what but, I mean? It was a he little could kid. Tell. He could tell. And yeah. it was a little kid, so it, more likely he's not going to be able to control that as much. But with the little kid, he can tell whenever they're took because he spent a lot of time with kids too sure. so you got to add in a lot sure, of this stuff. Sure. gregory peck added in so much extra stuff and i don't know if it was intentional or not but the way that he made the character grow in the time that we got to yeah, see him too sure. was fucking crazy and i don't i don't know that it was necessarily that the character grew as much as the character unfolded and you got to see the layers it's a better way you know what i mean yeah. because it wasn't like he he made some arc and learned a lesson. No, he. you're <laughs> right. His true colors really came out. Right. And, and, and it unfolded into that deal. Well, they get the little kid because the little kid's like, uh, well, I'm just going to run in front of everybody. Yeah. yeah. And they got it's everything covered. Plan. I don't know why he just didn't run away after they I, stole the radio. That's what I was thinking, too. You take the radio, I'm out of here. Yeah. Later, dudes. Right. You know what I mean? They would have never caught the goot, right? Right. So they bust back in. Gutenberg's running around like, you know, Junior Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. Just like, yeah, we did it, right? And he gets up there and he calls uh, Lieberman again and... And he's like, hey, it's three o'clock in the fucking morning. Why are you calling me? He's like, no, I got proof. You just need to shut up and listen to this, right? right. So as soon as he gets the the receiver down by the radio, boom, the Nazis break in, right? Yep. Stab him in the, in the stomach, which is, there's one goof um, in that part. And it's whenever he's sliding down the wall, he's out of focus, Gutenberg is, because mm-hmm. he's dead, right? And uh, Gregory Peck's going to pick up the phone, right? But you see um, Gutenberg blink. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, oh shit, he blinked. Oh wow, but that was that. Know, he was stabbed. And, right, that was like the sixth time I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking at everything. Well, and when when Mangla picks up the phone, puts it up to his ear, and he knows who's on the other end, and so does Ezra. Lieberman. They both know because they can both feel the presence of each other. So it's the force, Luke. Yeah, but to put the Nazis in that, that they're so fucking evil and hateful is the way he puts it. Yeah. To be able to tell that there is something hateful on the other end of the phone, Mm -hmm. it's like holy shit, you know? I mean, that's that's just like true evil. That was a very nice little touch on that part of it to kind of have that intuition, right? So of course the goot's dead. 
home dude walks downstairs. Mangle is there and he sees the kid and he walks up to him. It's like, you know, smiles, him, smiles at him. And then he leans to the dude and he's like, kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit. And, and that's, yeah, dude, that guy is a psychopath for sure. See, he could be nice. And that's another one of those traits. He could be really nice. And then he's like, awful. Yep. So the research into it was really cool. Yeah. And I think that the bringing those aspects out in that part of it really made it to where, Somebody like us that didn't live through the war, didn't see any of that stuff, or weren't even around it when we were young, to have that part of it, where you're just like, holy shit, that dude is the angel of death. Yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, for sure. To kind of bring it in there. Yeah. But, yeah, as soon as, you know, he gets killed and he hangs up, fucking Ezra's like, what the hell? <laughs> and he's got all this information. 94 men, you're not even making any sense. Right. You know, I don't even know what you're talking about. So then, re- relatively soon... He uh, he's out on the street and he meets with Denholm Elliott, yep. which is a publisher of a paper. So he owed him a favor, I guess. Yeah, he helped him break a big story. For, it was probably a Nazi, Nazi one. hunting one. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they allude to that. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, of course Denholm Elliott is like, oh, whatever, Joseph Mangala, you're gonna. He's the red herring. <laughs> he's like, no, this is what's gonna happen. I just need to get clippings, right. right? So he's asking for clippings from all the offices across the world, right? Of anybody in, in, and that was a cool line too. He's like, you know how many 65 year old men die every day? <laughs> and Lawrence Olivier looks at him. He's like, I try not to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? It's so nonchalant, but yet it's kind of a tongue in cheek joke, but right. yet, cause he's old too. I mean, sure. he's, he's relatively sure. old. So then we kind of get a little bit more insight into the whole program because that's when, you know, that all these people are dispersed and they have to kill a certain amount of people mm-hmm. to get kind of get through everything. So, of course, it, he's, you know, going about his business, doing everything normally right after Who that. Um, Ezra, right? Ezra, he's yeah. just kind of only looking into a couple of things like you know, it might be nothing. <laughs> Excuse me. My goodness. <laughs> they uh, they find his letters where all of his papers are there and everything and all of his pictures. So they're kind of identifying some shit. And that's when we get to about um, the island of Dr. Moreau, which is fucked up, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the island really is like it's a it's an island of mutants. In a weird fucking way. Mm, sort of, yeah. Yeah, they, just weird experience, uh, weird experiments, unnecessary surgeries, you could tell, kids in vitro fucked with, and then he's still messing with people. Right. But yet, James Mason shows up and is like, hey, so what's going on, you know? Here's, and they're listening to their classical music, that's another touch that yep. they added. Um, and basically he's like, I need a full report. And he's like, I already ahead of you. And he's like, great. So he's got this big board with all these people that he can mark off the X's whenever they die. Cause those people are supposed to check in. Right. Right. He already knows Lieberman's there, but he doesn't really know how much Lieberman knows, right. you know, right. because of the kid. Cause they just, dis- cause they could kill the dude. Yeah. Right? They yeah. disposed of everybody, right. you know, and got rid of the tape, whatnot. Right. What little did get out, Lieberman kind of is like, mm, maybe I should check this shit out, right? Start looking into it. But is that when he's approached by the other, the friend? That's a little bit after. A little bit that's after. a little bit after. So we're on Mangala Island, right? And you get to see his whole operation, the storks outside and, and the cages. He wears white and the white plantation looking home. <laughs> he's got two freaking <laughs> collars, one on top of the other, the underneath collar on top of the 
over collar. It was the 70s. It was beautiful. <laughs> and he was fascinated with the digital clock. Yes. He's like, oh, what a modern piece of machinery. <laughs> he, <laughs> it's like, it, it's still something that's pleasing an old man, which is weird. Yeah. Um, so, of course, you know, uh, that's when, whenever um, Mason's like, so why didn't you tell me about Lieberman? And he's like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Not a fucking problem. Don't have to worry about it. You know, he's just kind of basically blowing it off. Yeah. He's like, well, whatever. That dude's a fucking piece of shit. You know, he'll never catch us. He'll just, he'll luck into something. Right. 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 So that's whenever he starts, uh, Ezra with the Nazi hunter starts getting more clippings, right? His sister, which he lives with is the one that's putting everything together, you know, looking at all this stuff. Cause they're looking through all of these, looking for the civil servants that have died. They're looking into all of these different factors. But that's the first one that they have to go off of. Right. They were all 65. They were all civil servants. That's the only thing they really had to go for. And we see we we see some deaths of some of these guys, too. Yes. Like the dude taking a piss behind the bottle factory. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the dude's like a fucking sick bastard, too, because mm-hmm. he's like groping the, the barmaid. He's like, I want to give you something. He's <laughs> like, why don't you give it to your wife? <laughs> You fucking pig. <laughs> you know, and he's like, he runs off on one of those little scooters where you pedal mm. and then you're like, <laughs> he's like, whoo, gotta pee. And then you it's a the violent. Hotel room. Yeah, it's a violent fucking death. And then, yeah, you have the hotel room or no, well, basically it's like a, whatever it is, a boarding house, yeah, probably, yeah. you know, and the dude's like a oh, weird. Oh, that's right, because it's in a house. Yeah, the dude's like a weird pervert kind of old man, and she's like very promiscuous, but yet it's one of the Nazi dudes. Right. <laughs> that was part of it, one of the younger ones, and nobody really knew who they were. So, yeah, he gets hung. So, basically, they're going through, and they're they're systematically destroying these people, but they travel as traveling salesmen, right. like normal German traveling salesmen, so they can get anywhere they need to go right and they have as much money as they want so they've been going around and i think i think they ended up like 18 of them or something like that yeah. had died out of the 94 so of course um i don't remember the specific number but it sounds about right yeah it was something like that <laughs> so another factor in this is the uh the mothers had to be oh like 20 something years, years younger, younger yeah yeah and they had to be very doting on their their son, things like that, because that was another factor of these clones having to go through and having to have these tragedies at these exact points. Right. Like if they got a baby on December so 11th. Far, we don't know anything about clones. All we know is that they had to, they were fathers and the mother had to be um, 20 to 30 years younger, something like that. Yeah, 20, 20, 25, something like tw- 27 or 28, whenever yeah. they, whenever she has. When they get the child. Yes, yeah. Um, but I, I don't think what would we, again, all this kind of unfolds, right? It gets a little yeah. bit deeper yeah. the more that they kind of go into it. Because of, originally it's just these guys. Yeah, so right. they're like, what? what's the point of this, right? right. So that's where he kind of puts his uh, toe in the water, and then they start getting more. But he starts visiting people. Right. That's where we start really yeah. getting into it. But he's literally visiting people that are convenient for him to visit because he's going on lecture tours, different things like that, right? Well, and he's, I don't think he's 100% sold yet. No, no. And you know, he's, he's like, like well, this is the cheapest. This is the way I'm going to do it. I never miss this. Just please put these together. Yeah. You know, he's telling his sister. So when he gets back after visiting like Aunt May, 
which Aunt May is like, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, that that was kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Like when she like raises her skirt up a little more at the very end of the scene. Uh-huh. Like, you like a what you see? <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> she that was, part. She was thirsty. And she was all over her son. Yeah. Um, Which she's just like, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it was like, what the fuck, right? So it's a, a doting mother. Right. The only thing that she has. And her story, the way she tells it too, is pretty, because- the old man basically was like he 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 should have pushed him in front of the truck sooner. Yeah. <laughs> and but she's like it was God that did it. Nah. Yeah. It's one of those Nazi dudes. Yeah. Right? So he's like, "Huh, that's weird." So he, he gets to see that one. And then he's even um he even visits another one to where he's like and this is later on after he meets up with uh Gutenberg's friend. Right. Because he's totally against even working with the other dude. They're in the train station. He's like, no, get away from me. Right. And then it takes him like five times. And the dude's finally like, I'm going to sit at your front door until you fucking work with me. Right. And the sister's like, hey, I did get another bunch of clippings. So maybe we need to take a look at this. So then he goes back out and he ends up in America in one of them. And that's the... the, the Willoughby's or... No, that's the... The Whitlocks, the Whitlocks are the last ones. That's the last ones, yeah. Yeah. So you have... So basically, this is all going on, but yet James Mason is going back and like, dude, he's getting closer. Can we postpone this shit? Right. So he goes to... Basically, what he's doing is all these... Because he knows they have to be a certain age. They know they have to be a civil servant of some sort. He's keeping everything so under wraps. So he's just going to visit the widow mm-hmm. every time. The second time when he goes to America is where he's like, that's like that kid's twin. Yeah. He's like, this is amazing. You guys look exactly the same. And And act the same. Yeah. They're all assholes too. Even, even the, uh, the other dude that was part of the young Jewish liberation front or whatnot, whatever they called themselves. Um, he sees the kid and he asks him, he's like, why are you so interested in the kids from now? And he's like, uh, it's nothing, you know, he's kind of just like putting the pieces together. And then somehow he ends up basically like you get to see the personalities of the kids. So everything kind of matches up. There's one kid you don't see, you don't see the English one too much. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but then you do later on when he's a dick to the, the other guy, they kind of, they're the plots progressing, even the part where the one Nazi shows up. On the dam. That's my favorite. That was beautiful. Oh, yeah. It was a beautiful place. You know, <laughs> and it, he just pushes him off. Of <laughs> he's like, he walks up to him. He's like, dude, it's been forever, man. You remember me? And he says, loyalty, um, something loyalty. And he's like, that was supposed to be engraved on your your soul. You know what I mean? Because you're right. a fucking Nazi, man. And so he's and he's like, well, who do you got to kill? What? I got to kill a teacher. Oh, really? Is it? And he names off all these people. And then he's like, oh, okay. Well, I know that dude. I'll, I'll put him out to you. And he stops and he looks around. And he's like, that's not who I had to kill. <laughs> it was him. And he's like, oh. And he falls a long ways down that dam. No shit. He was, he was, he was goddamned on that one. Full <laughs> show. So, so we know the plot's still going and everything right. like that, right? Supposedly. And Ezra's getting closer and closer every time. It's like he lucks out and fucking James Mason's like, dude, he's right there. And even and James Mason, again, he's like that. He's kind of in charge of this section. But he's his biggest supporter, too. He even right. tells him that because yeah. uh, Mangala is like fucking kill him. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Just kill him. What are you going to do about it? And he's like, listen, man, 
we can't do that because that's going to draw more attention to this and it might do some more exposing people are going to start looking more if we do this so it's like i don't care what you do i've already done my part i'm fucking badass right that's joseph mangala right there he's like i'm the fucking the tits (laughs) (laughs) you don't fucking tell me what to do and Mason's like, dude, I've, I've been your only friend for a long time. Just don't fuck with me like that, right? So right. you can kind of tell the dissension already right? where he's like, dude, this guy's out of control. Yeah. You know, Mason is. Yeah. Um, so at that point. Is that where we come to the big party? Yeah. 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 yeah the, the big Nazi party. All right. <laughs> It's they're, a Nazi house party. <laughs> they're in Paraguay. <laughs> they show up to this freaking party, which is, and even the one dude's, the guy that threw the guy over the dam, it's like, hey, buddy, what's <laughs> up, man? He's like, you fucking traitor. You were supposed to be there. Like, he just starts choking the shit out of that yeah. dude. Beating him up. Yep, yeah. And it's like way over the top, but yet they have Hitler youth. They have fucking posters of Hitler up everywhere. And the one dude's like, it's like our second honeymoon. <laughs> and, when the <laughs> the woman, his wife, oh my god, uh, he, she's like, somebody get a doctor, and he's like, I am a doctor, you ugly bitch. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it's like, but yet he's treating him. Well, in then the other we room. cut to the scene where he's treating him in the other room, and he's like, I thought you knew. Yeah. And this is where we find out, like, all of the people that he'd sent out to kill these people Been, were all brought back yep. by the higher-ups because they're canceling the whole deal. Yeah, they're like, nah, we can't do anymore. We've yeah. done this much. Lieberman's on the, yeah, on the trail. I think he even alludes to, hey, we never know what's going to happen with any of these, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we leave everything natural. Something could happen, you know? Right. And even if we get one or two out of all of these, you know, it might be a good thing. But we're only really hoping for one, right? Right. So it's always going to take the right conditions. So that's when Lieberman goes and he actually talks to a scientist, a genetic scientist. Yeah, yeah. Which the genetic scientist is like totally like, he's like, let me show you some shit, man. Yeah. This could happen. He grabs and his hand. he's the one. This is where we get, this is our learning arc right here. Yes. What's th- really going on. This is where even um, Olivier learns, Lieberman yeah. learns, and he puts it in his head together. So, of course, which is really cool is the doctor's even like, you know, so we could take this this cell, we could put it into this, and we can basically make a clone of you. And he's like, do you follow? Do you follow these He's like, uh, he's, I just, how would you do it? You know? So he asked those relevant questions, kind of like a normal person would. Like, right. how the fuck? I don't even know. And it would so, work in humans? Yeah, yeah. And, huh. So they, they show the, they have a white rabbit, but they take out all the white rabbit's eggs, right? The em- egg embryos. And then they UV kill all the DNA inside it, basically, and then inject load it up. A- with yeah, a blood, blood cell. cell from a black rabbit. And then put them back into the white ones. And then there you go. They have a litter of black babies. And then also, too, they at that point, too, he even says um, it doesn't work very often with the mothers or something like that. It's always very few. And that's when they show that one black mouse, mm-hmm. not the rabbit, in all the other white ones. Right. So he's like, well, let me show you a film. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Let me show you how this works, kids. <laughs> and so it's they, 1978. <laughs> yeah. So he basically sits there and, well, no, that's that's when he goes to the chalkboard and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we look at, you know, 65 years old, a mom is here, boy, and he lists off all these these traits and he kind of puts it together and he's, he's like, I can't believe he, he really did this. 
Because that is something at the point, you know, we know that it what was in the 90s, 96 or 97, they cloned the first sheep. Right. Which they'd probably been doing it before. Well, yeah. And in Mangala's own, like, writings and all of his work that he ever did was all about eugenics and all about that right there. So, mm-hmm. of course, progression. Perfect, fits, everything works, right? That's when Lieberman, like, gets up and he's like, does the person have to be alive to do this, right? Right. And he's like, no. Like I said, you could just use a skin cell. And then he goes, is it Mangala? Yeah. The, the scientist, and he's like, no, he has brown eyes and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Dark hair. Dark hair. Uh, so, basically, he ends up in the lecture hall. And the doctor's like, so, uh, is everything okay? And he's like, no. So, he lines it out. Mm-hmm. He's like, 65-year-old father, civil servant, nothing really particularly important, Mother that was 27, 28, whenever they had him, doting. The kids, talented in certain things, can do this, can do that, but had a tragic accident because of his father was an asshole, <laughs> used to really treat him bad. Basically, and then he gets to the end, he's like, they're all clones of Adolf Hitler. He's like, Adolf Hitler. Yeah, and it's like, holy shit, right? Here's another thing that I learned, too, with the research. Hitler was um, light brown hair whenever he was that young. Okay. Which just adds another layer to the story if you kind of think about that. Because Mangala was, you know, dark haired, a little bit darker skin. Yeah. Versus like Hitler was just like white, you know, white asshole, right? <laughs> so they're basically, he figures out if we, and, and the doctor lays it out. He's like, if you have the right conditions, possible, it's possible to happen. Right. You know, you could create something that is an exact duplicate of somebody else, but you got to put in all these factors, right? Right. That's when he draws everything on the chalkboard. But that's whenever he's like, holy shit, that is really what's happening? Yeah. You know? But, and I think we did gloss over whenever he went into the, um, and that was a savage moment by Lieberman, too. He goes to the prison to oh, talk yeah. to the yeah, woman. Um, which, the she was a prison guard during the Holocaust. And Nazi he, prison guard. Supposedly, he put her away. Right. I think they were yeah, talking that's, about that's that. That's what he, it sounded like. home Elliot and him, when they first met, were talking about right. it. And, oh, shit, that was a savage part, too, because... The woman's like, oh, I'll talk to you about my time in the adoption agency. But you're thinking, what the fuck? How did an (laughs) ex-Nazi... Get involved in an adoption agency? Right. And she's even... don't do their due diligence, and there was no internet back then. Right. And she's even Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I know what I did was illegal, but I made made a lot of people happy. So she doesn't really know. We don't really know what the the stipulations of the meeting are. Right. But apparently there's something hanging on. If she's talking, they're going to do a couple more depositions or something like that. So... He's like, uh, he kind of ferrets everything out, you know, and figures that shit out. It's like, uh, so, and she's like, fuck you. You got to get your pound of flesh any way you want to. And he's like, fine. And he just packs his stuff up. He's like, yeah. Um, the other two depositions I'm going to do, I'm not going to do. She's like, you liar. And dude, that's one of the best lines too. Cause he's like, what's he say? You're not a guard. Yeah. You're not a guard in here. You're a prisoner. You're a prisoner. And guess what? I get to leave, but you'll never leave. That's right. That's fucking savage, man. For sure. Even even the uh, his the lawyer or whatnot is like, whoa, 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 whoa. She'll she'll talk some more. Right. And he was like, oh, the last question that I really had was, when was your dog's birthday? Because she mentions the wheel locks. Yep. And that she got a dog, her favorite sh- her dog, Shotzi. 
yes. you know, from him and love that dog. And she's very, very emotional about it and shit. And he's like, so when was uh, Shotzi, Shotzi born? She's like December 11th. Yep. And that's when it kind of puts it together because everything's exactly four weeks apart. Yep. Right? So they're setting it up. So it takes them four weeks to in vitro grow them or something, right? To place them into a mother and then come out. I guess. I don't know how they did it. And then they just provided them with, uh, you know, good documents and everything. And just she passed them all out. She's like, here yeah. you go. She had to do all the research to find the right pairing, the right coupling, the and right they, circumstances. she had the same parameters. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he's just like, holy shit. And they had shit. to be in perfect physical health. Right. Right. And the only name is Wheelock that he gets. Right. Right. So we're back on Mangala Island. Yes. But he's not there. Because nope. they basically, he told um, James Mason at the party, he was like, I'm not done yet. Piss off. <laughs> I'm going to fucking finish some shit or do something. Right. He has basically, there's, from what I understand and what I could, uh, what they were alluding to, he actually had one picked out. He already knew the wheel locks right. were like the next ones to go. And because of the timeline. Yeah, he was just going to go handle the business, all the business himself. So he knew the timeline for it. But this one was a little bit more special for some reason, right? I don't know why. I think it was mainly because whenever... So he goes to America. He's in he's in Pennsylvania, right? He's in a little bitty town where he finds it. But Lieberman already, already knows too. So he's kind of... You're thinking that he's headed there as well. But yeah, we they don't really tell you that until... He gets to the door. Magdala gets to the door... And he's like, oh, are you Lieberman? He's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After there's all these freaking Dobermans in cages. Yep. And the dude's like surrounded in like five he's got Dobermans. like four or five Dobermans just in the house. And he's like, don't worry about them. They won't bother you. They're fucking bothering him. For Unless real. you bother me. <laughs> yes. He's like, well, they'll, they'll kill anybody that tries to get a hold of me. But it, I mean, it's like, he's like one of those classic kind of dudes that has... Has that shit and is like, oh, my dog won't bother you. But the dog's like sitting in your crotch and fucking. He's a classic kind of like, I don't care about Nazis or Jews because you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, And then you, and then he's like, this is who we got to worry about. Right. And, you know, so Mangala works his way into getting the Dobermans put up. Right. And he's like, and then he cocks his he gun. He says, I had, a, I had a childhood trauma. Can you lock me away? And he's like. Oh, you're like my neighbor. Oh, God damn. <laughs> you're like my neighbor. Won't even come up the driveway. Right. So he, he takes him down to the cellar and he shoots him a couple of times, right? With that stoop. That's the one thing in this movie. The only time in this movie it took me a little bit out of it when he falls down. Because he's like falls. He shot like this, like <laughs> looking at the guy as he's standing on the <laughs> stairs. But conveniently turns around to land <laughs> at the bottom of the stairs. Yes. On what looks to be maybe a mattress, I don't know. It was some potatoes because he had like a whole giant deal of. uh, It was stupid. Yeah, it looked dumb. Vegetables. It was almost as bad as that RoboCop thumbs up (laughs) thing when that um, female cop dies. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty bad. Yeah, it was not good. That was the only piece though. The rest of the movie is filmed perfectly. Yeah, and I mean, he literally like he shoots the dad because it's that time, right? Right. Um. And because mom's out and he's waiting for the kid to come home. Right. And and right before this, and you were getting there and I think we stopped, um, Mason's character comes and burns down like all the stuff. Yep. Inside, like, so his big list of all the people. 
the one that he makes fun of. Yeah. And it's and it's written in red paint, Lieberman. Yep. And wheel lock is circled. Yep. So we know where he's going. Right. So does everybody else. Yes. <laughs> and inadvertently, Ezra does too. Well, I don't think he knew though that no, he was going. No. He was just yeah. going there to meet that guy. So That's he could what, talk yeah. To him. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Inadvertently, oh, okay. he was he was at the right place at the right, right time. time because the timing worked out. Right. Whenever he figured out the timing, because his sister was sitting there and she goes, "I already figured it out. Yep. It's going to be on this date." And he's like, "Okay, it's February 20th. <gasps> What's today?" Dun, dun, dun. February 4th. Yep. This episode might be out by the 20th. <laughs> 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 That's so crazy that we always pick movies I know. like that. Strange. <laughs> so so basically Lieberman actually ends up getting there right and I thought it was funny because he was driving a gremlin and he's yeah. German yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he finds out where everything he's like thank you <laughs> and so he ends up there and he charges freaking home dude right yeah. he goes after Mangala and he's like Aye! that's the the Wilhelm scream that they got in this <laughs> yes. <one>. Aye! <laughs> And he shoots him once, and they get into this big old fucking fight, which apparently took like two fucking days to film, two or three days to film, because Olivier was so old, like, old. <laughs> <laughs> and in bad health, right? Because he did the Clash of the Titans after this. Yeah, yeah. Which is mind-blowing that he was he, totally different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He'd like Max von out us. Yes, he sure did. <laughs> and so... They get into this big fight, and of course, um, he gets shot in the arm the first one. He gets shot in the right arm. Right. So the dogs are all locked up, right? He's sitting there. Mangle is covered in blood and shit. He's like, just wait. He's coming home. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to tell him all about this. So he's sitting there, and of course, he gets that one... What is it? Oh, shit. He just gets that one flash of, I'm going to jump up and grab the door handle. Yeah. Grabs it, opens, the dogs come out, and they attack. But as he's opening, he gets shot again, right? He gets shot in the hand. And, he yeah. gets shot in the back left. <laughs> so he's fucked up, right? He's right. already gotten shot three times in the last, like, 20 minutes. So he's going to bleed out if nobody nothing happens. But as soon as that door opens, man, they go right after Magdala. Yeah. And we find out why, too, which is what I thought. They, they explain it. A little bit. No, they explain it perfectly when the kid comes home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, before, because he only mentions if they try to touch me, and he's going right. to go after it. But yeah. I'm saying the kid's like, no, they're trained to go after anybody that's carrying a gun. Yeah. So the kid shows up, right? <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> Hitler shows up. <laughs> Little baby Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> With his camera, which they, they talked about that. He's like, oh, you take some great pictures yes. you know and so fucking he walks in he's like whoa and so, just immediately so starts got, taking photos yeah so we've got um lieberman lieberman on he's the couch. all jacked up on the couch like he's fucked up obviously he's been shot like three times <laughs> yeah. and then you have uh Mangala. Mangala in the recliner, but he's surrounded by like five Doberman pinchers. And they're all just staring at him like right. <laughs> he's like And then the kid walks off. in. Yeah, he's like, call him off, Bubby. <laughs> Bubby <laughs> Bubby. That's how he, he says it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Bubby. Um, so he comes in and, and he's like, Whoa. He just starts to I love it too, because he does. Yeah. He just starts taking pictures. And while Mangala is like, Hey, guess what? And then he gets to that point where he just points and he's like, You're the clone of adolf hitler and he's like dude you're dumb (laughs) (laughs) 
super heavy. You're so weird, <laughs> man. <laughs> and then Ezra is like whispering to him like, yo. Because he does say that. He's like, well, they're only going to attack the people that have the guns. Because he tries to blame yeah, it all on Lieberman. Right. Right. He's like, he killed he... your father. He's like, no. Why were they attacking you? They only attack the people that have guns. Right. And he's like, well, I had to, uh, uh. And then Lieberman's like, go check your father he's dead he killed your father so then he comes in and he says action boom and then the freaking because it's like action cut and print yep i think are the commands so action basically all the dobermans attack because one of them gets shot actually yeah so there's well, only like four coming. yeah yeah and so you know the boy finds his father and comes in and just says action is like bam goes after Goes at, rips his arm off and shit, starts fucking ripping at his throat. So Mangle is dead pretty much. And the Hitler walks over, or Bobby Hitler. Bobby Hitler. <laughs> oh, Bobby Hitler. Bobby Hitler. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. <laughs> What's your name, Bobby Hitler? <laughs> I just go by Bobby. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so he walks in and he's like, you know, you, you would die if I didn't call the cops. You just bleed out. I could leave. Yep. My mom's going to be home. She'll be home late. Yeah. So, and then, you know, he's like, uh, if I call, would you tell anybody about this? Tell anybody about what I did? And of course, Ezra's like, hell no. I ain't saying shit. (laughs) Cause he's smart. Right. (laughs) So I, I thought he was going to die, but no, of course not the first time. And then so we end up and he's in the hospital, right? And that's whenever the the blonde haired dude comes in, um, Gutenberg's friend is like, yeah. Hey, so because Lieberman walks over to him and grabs well, the he list. Crawls over to him. Yeah, grabs the <sighs> list and then passes out. Right on top of him. And then if you look at the pictures that Bobby has taken, <laughs> you get to see all the up close stuff. Right. And it's took, weird. He just took pictures of them all they were Yeah, while they were all passed out, laying there, out, yeah. bleeding everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, whoa, Brad. <laughs> so, and, and of course, we get the other, the second smoking joke. You know, the first one, when, you know, Lawrence Olivier is trying to smoke. Like yeah. for real, uh, he's like, "One, the puff will not hurt me," and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> "So," and he's talking about he's like, "So," he had to have a list, and he's like, "Well, well," he says he must have just had it all committed to memory. Huh? Yeah, he's like, well, "No, not really." Mm-hmm. Well, I love how he gives it up really yeah, easy too. Yeah, he's like, like, "There's no investigation like, there." Yeah, and he's like, "No, I have it now." <laughs> Like, very simply, he doesn't have it. I do now. Right. So he's, like, so nonchalant. So he pulls it out of the sheet, and he grabs a cigarette, and he tells him, you know, I have a nurse here that gives me cigarettes. She said, if after everything that I've lived through, smoke is not going to kill me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Got shot, lived through the Holocaust, mm-hmm. fucking. Yeah, for sure. Good God. Probably paratrooped sometime, you know, jumped out of a couple of airplanes. God knows what the dude did, right? So he grabs a list, and he burns it. Because home dudes wanting to go kill all the Hitlers, all the little Hitler clones. Yeah, Bobby Hitler, um, Winston Hitler, Randy Hitler, Randy Hitler, <laughs> Randy, <laughs> Fred Hitler, <laughs> Jacob Hitler, <laughs> Anthony Hitler. You know. Jacob, that's a little too. Yeah. Man, that's close. I mean, it's a Jewish name. Yeah. <laughs> Tandy Hitler. <laughs> You know, there's got to be an Ashley Hitler. Gunther Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> there's got to be an Ashley Hitler. Ashley out there. Hitler. <laughs> so, 
I mean, honestly, it ends on that way in a truly like good fashion because he's like, no, you're not going to kill all these kids. And if you do, I am going to tell everybody. Yeah. And and everybody's going to know about this shit. So basically he's like, you would turn your back. Yeah. Your people or something. And he's like, I'm not going to go kill kids. Yeah. I'm not going to kill kids. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of crazy to think that that dude automatically had that in his head. He's like, they're all still alive. Right. I'm going to go get them. Well, cause like, even if we saw four of them, four, four, there's still 90 more. Right. And you said like 18 of them had their parent killed. Yeah. At least 18. To, to re-recreate yeah. the situation for Hitler. The timelines, yeah. So if you get one out of that 18, because he said something about one, the genetic, the geneticist said one out of 20. Yeah. And then also they brought it up at the, the meeting yeah, by, yeah. after the fight. He's like, yeah. maybe one or two out of all of these. Right. So you're like, damn, they already contingency planned for all of that shit. Even Mengele at that one point too is like, if those four people fucking failed, I would send more people out. And yep. if they failed, I would send more out just to finish what we started. So, you know, his, his grand design for the plan had to go according to the everything, you know? Which... You never know. This could have really happened. I re- so there was a part in this that I didn't understand at all. They made kind of a big deal of it in a couple scenes, and it's that tooth necklace. Yes, the jaguar. It's, it's jaguar claws. Okay. Uh, there, oh, there were definitely teeth on there. Jaguar claws. Yeah. I, I thought they were teeth too, but they're hooked. Hmm. Anyways, yeah. but I wrote that down too. Uh... And they show it, and then, of course, the kid has it at the end. It's a form of protection, I'm pretty sure. They say it's a shark tooth, but I know it's a jaguar claw because they're they're curled, right? But it's supposed to mean bravery, power, strength, and protection, right? Okay. Um, Whatever that is. I think what I read was from the writer, and he said something how it had to do... Like, not the writer of the book. Because the, the, that necklace thing's not even in the book. Oh, so it's a screenplay. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, but it's had something to do with the predatory nature, and then it's passed along to that kid who also obviously, mm-hmm. you know, at the end we're seeing him look at those pictures, and he's obviously, well, even his interactions with yeah. him before that, I mean, he's obviously a little office rocker. Yeah, and, and I like the scene where, because on Mangala Island, there's his normal genetic side, right? And then on the other side of the, the water... Right there, there was the um, the nurseries or whatnot where they were having all the kids, right? Right. So he's in there, and it's all busted down. But I love that scene in a way that it shows him in the dark, and you can hardly see anything. And it's like visibilities and stuff. And then all of a sudden, it flashes back to the nurses coming in, and they're like, yes. Yeah. And they're walking them through everything. Like the memories of that place, yes. Exactly. And then he picks up that, that bracelet or whatnot, yeah. what it, shark tooth. Whatever. Jaguar claw, whatever. Um, and he has it at that point. And he carries it with him all the way over to America yeah. too, which is kind of weird. But I think that was his that was his ground. I it it was it had to stand for something of him knowing his convictions or something like yeah, that. I don't know. You know? It's like, oh well, he's got this, so he's not afraid. He's a he's he's a shark or right. he's a fucking predator, so but yeah, they get to see it at the very end, which is supposedly an extended ending. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. they show him Bobby, <laughs> Bobby. 
Um, so they have that in there while he's developing. He's like, wow. Yeah. But the kid, his he that was the only thing he acted in. I bet. That kid right there? I bet. That's probably a good thing. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> His eyes, the blue, that they, the contacts that they yeah. had. So, yeah, I mean, throughout, you could see Mangala's Well, and there's one point everything. where we see one of the Paraguayan kids that one has of the, natives. the blue eyes as well. Yeah, really fucking dark blue, so God knows what he did over there. Yeah. What genetics, genetic bullshit. Well, they even have... What experiments he was doing on people, for sure. Well, they're doing experiments on people, but when they're panning through his office and everything, there's mm-hmm. a fucking frog there. I'm like, for real? Yeah. <laughs> That's... You don't even have a fetal pig here, man? Come on. You know, I, I would expect something far worse than a dead frog dissected. Right. I mean, it's like they half ass sure. that scene. But <laughs> they're just like, I don't know. Put a fucking frog on it. Look right. like it's an experiment. Overall... Love the movie. I, you know, I think what I liked about it, because it's a, I mean, it's a full two hours, a little over two hours, was that we didn't really know, like, if you had never seen it before. So, like, I know you had seen it quite often before. Um, yeah. Maybe about three or four times. For me, that. I had seen it, like, one time, like, years ago. Yeah. Um, but I liked that, like, if you're watching it for the first time, you don't know what's going on until hour two. Pretty much whenever Lieberman figures it out. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is about clones? Like, if you just, like, pu- turn this on on a Sunday morning on TBS. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> no you idea. You have no idea what you were watching until, like, what the? Yeah, you're like, is that James this is, Mason? Because it almost seems very, like I said, historical, like almost a revisionist history, even though it was present time then. Yeah. Um, But you don't know it's a sci-fi movie. Yeah, really, that's what it is at that time. Science Science fiction, one hundred percent. And which is to think that I don't know that they were already thinking about this stuff. Somebody, whoever wrote the original story, the Ira Levin guy Mm -hmm. or whatnot, had to have heard something about that and kind of traced it, put it together with Mangala, and was like, "Fucking hey, I got a great story here," which is great. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad that they've never tried to redo it. I don't think that they need to ever do anything different with this movie. Yeah, I agreed. Um, just remaster it. Yeah. This is one of those the few movies that are kind of part of the drop culture that I would not want to see redone, you know, or even or even having prequels or sequels or anything. Don't need it. You know, because yeah, no, it, it should exactly what it should be. Yeah, it unless ended, you wanted exactly. to do like now those kids are 24. 26, you know, 30. Well, how old um, would they be now? Well, not now, but I'm thinking more like if you said it, like, let's say that's 78, let's say you made it 2008. Ooh. And there, or maybe not even that far, maybe 2000. 1998. Right? Yeah, there you go, like right around there. Because he even says it too. He's uh, we're going to get the Hitler we deserve for the 80s, the <laughs> 90s, and the 2000s. <laughs> but, well, and I think so. It could very well end up that one of one or two of those people are are that guy, right? right. But then also you got to think of the factors that they were trying to put him in because there was no great war happening at the time, right? World War Three was always you know talked about at that point because we were in the midst of the Cold War, right? The last ten years of it at that point, pretty much coming up, you know, mm, sure the eighties. So you had it, Vietnam was your big conflict. Yeah. Recent conflict. So 
you got to think about how Mangala and all them were looking at that. Like, okay, if there's another part of the network that would start a war in a weird way, okay, then there's your rise. Right. You know what I mean? So there's other things. There's so much underneath it that you you can build up to and have that character become the person that is the warmonger. Right. Right. And and you put them in the right situation. So they have the right childhood. So it's kind of like the Omen 3. Yeah. Okay. Like where he becomes the president. Yep. Except that he's was, Adolf Hitler. Yeah. There you go. See? <laughs> he's Bobby Adolf. But, Bobby Hitler. Bobby Hitler. <laughs> Bobby but, Hitler Wheelock. <laughs> yeah. They call me Mr. Wheelock. Call me Bobby Hitler. Short. Uh, but. Well, damn you, Bobby. Get to the hitter. <laughs> and they're, they're everywhere, too. So. Yeah. They're in all these major countries, yeah. um, and a lot of a lot of them were enemies, pretty much. But most of them still have their fathers. Yes, whether that's good, bad, and different, mm-hmm. and you would. I I don't think just because your genetics are the same as somebody that you're necessarily going to no. be. So the environment has a huge piece. Of you the have the genetic that, deep right? uh, disposition. That's what the scientists right, are saying. Right. You can have the same things, but you got to have the right conditions to reach the same right. end result. Point, yeah. Which is, and that's what they were trying to do. Right. But where were they going to go with that afterwards? Right. After they reached that point on his 14th birthday. You would put them all in positions. Any of them that made it, you would put them in positions of power. Or put them in countries. positions to fail. To get up and oh, rise to, to yeah, power, yeah, yeah, just like saying. Hitler. Because I mean, Hitler was failed in, first, and then yeah. Hitler was in World War One, right? Didn't do much shit. Then he was the one that was starting the what was it? The beer, beer yeah, fucking yeah, warehouse, beer yeah, yeah. yeah, beer house uh, riots or whatnot. Yeah. Got squashed. Then they took it to Congress. Oh, the the wire mark or whatnot, and they got shot down. <laughs> Somehow they wormed their way in, and they're like, fuck y'all, this was our plan all along. Mm-hmm. So they lucked into a lot of yeah. shit. Oh, for sure. But they also- They had resilience, though, to, to They keep kept pushing. It. Yeah. Yeah. And to to take a country that was pretty much dead after the Treaty of Versailles right. and all of the fucking major shit that they were doing. Well, I think that's an easy time to get people to- Get behind you, you know what I right. mean? No, and, and, and the similarities for that- Hello? Okay. So, yeah. Um, putting everything together on this shit, there's a lot of things that could go underneath it. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of lot of different ways that they could have gone with everything, but I like this little snippet of the story. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's the cool part, right? Like, it's, it's very much a whole story arc, but... There could be so much more going on that we don't even know. Yep. And and they throw us in the middle of something that is huge, which is pretty cool. (laughs) The Boys of Brazil, though. I mean, it's a great movie. Absolutely. Great movie. And when I said it won, uh, or it was up for a lot of awards, it really was. Uh, Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Which is a great part because it only had a $12 million budget. It made $19 million in the box office. And almost eight in rentals. Okay. So I made this money back enough. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, so it was up for an Academy Award for Best Actor, Lawrence Olivier. Film Editing, Robert Swink. Score, Jerry Goldsmith, of course. You know, 
My guy's going to get nominated for everything. Um, it was up for uh, Golden Globe for Best Actor for Gregory Peck. Then Saturn Awards, the Science Fiction Awards, right? Mm-hmm. Best Science Fiction Film, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Music, Best Supporting Actress, and then the Best Writing. So, I mean, the fucking movie. I, huh? Right. <laughs> and Tyson was the one that introduced me to this. Oh, really? Tyson was like, yo, have you ever seen that movie? And I'm like, I never even fucking heard of it, dude. It sounds awesome. <laughs> so let me borrow it. That's how I got a copy of it. Okay. You know, um, which was just like, what the, f-? you know, this is a crazy fucking idea, you know? Right. I mean, it's just such a, and to not have a lot of people talk about it, it's one of those movies that maybe might need to get a good remaster. Yeah, you know, a yeah, good remaster, sure. a good 4K transfer, whatever, you know, and put it on digital a little bit more and kind of see how it grows because I think it's been lost to time. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I I kind of forgot this was a movie until, uh, when was it? That was a few weeks ago. You and I were talking. Like, there was some reference, man. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fucking cool, man. My favorite Gregory Peck part, even though Atticus Finch was really good, and then um, shit, um, the lawyer he did in um, Gregory Peck is Gregory Peck. Yeah, dude's a fucking badass, right? For sure. So is Lawrence Olivier. But I was looking at all of his. He's he's mainly he was mainly a uh, stage actor, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he yeah. did he did quite a bit of film too, though. Yep, did a lot of shit. So did James Mason, but they were all friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like let's do oh, this movie all right my cool. buddies are in this movie <laughs> i think uh he wanted to play what you mangala oh, i really? think he did something like that here's one of them interesting he actually wanted to be on that part of it but they basically amalgamated a character and he was like oh well, that could that could be for me <laughs> <laughs> well and if you guys want to check out the boys from brazil you could do it over on Tubi. It's on there for free right now. Also on Peacock. Mm-hmm. And the Roku channel. Huh. Well, that's crazy because I haven't seen them. <laughs> no. I only seen my copy. I've only seen your copy too. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a very bad DVD transfer. <laughs> Music is too loud. Vocal. I mean, I have it only, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. That's the only thing I've ever seen it on. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think I watched this on VHS. Damn. Yeah. See that, or maybe it was just on something. I don't know. Probably it was, on like HBO or maybe. Yeah, I watched a lot of um, Skinamax and HBO <laughs> back in the day. Titamax. <laughs> Sometimes you had uh, big titties on there. Watched a lot of movies. Like I, I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Right? That's the first <laughs> time I watched Buckaroo Banza. There you go. You See, know? there or you go. The Adventures of Remo Williams. Ah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> HBO original. But boys from Brazil, how many uh, Hitler clones would you give it, sir, out of 10? Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe I'd give it eight. Okay. I think it, I, eight, eight out of 10 Hitler clones. I will give it seven and a half just because I want to cut a Hitler clone in half. <laughs> want to dissect it. They're Hitler twins. Hitler twins unite. Oh, no. It's Hitler Tron. <laughs> 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 fucking Hitler jokes never go old, no. but they are fucking bad. 
<laughs> but yeah, where can they reach us at to tell us about their boys from Brazil? Uh, you can get us on uh, dropculture.com. You can check us out on uh, the social medias, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams. Uh, you can just send us a little old email if you want to, to dropculturepodcast at gmail.com. You can fire up a smoke signal if you want to. We'll find it. Don't worry. We're we always can. keeping an eye out. We are always looking. We're over here by Garden of the Gods right now. So, That's right. You know, we're connected. That's right. Connected to the smoke. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Later, dudes. Peace.